that Salim Quadri's uh, exhibition, Walk Without Boundaries, curated by our own dear Sarah, by Nick Dubois and Charlotte Demille, is in the entrance foyer to our library, which is quite a small space. So what I'd like to ask you to do is, while we're all milling around having drinks, um, go down in drips and drabs and actually look at the real thing, because it's very beautiful. It's also ceramic, which I'm proud to say Salim gave me, which is in the uh, in the display. Secondly, um, Salim is participating in this historic India-Pakistan moment in more ways than one, because at this very moment he, he has, as a lender, has been lending his uh, extraordinary collection of photographs by Kanu Gandhi to two exhibitions also curated by Charlotte Mill for the Supreme Court's Arts Trust. Uh, the first is called Citizenship and Law, Pakistan 70, in which there are three photos relating to the Pakistan theme. These are in Houghton Street, as part of the London School of Economics, um, just across the road. And that Pakistan uh, part of the diptych is ending on the 5th of November. And then we pass on almost immediately to Law and Nationalism, India at 70, with very many more of Salim's own, um, I mean, in his collection, the photographs by Khalid Gandhi. And I know that interests some of you very much. And you'll be able to speak to Salim and also hear the story of their acquisition afterwards. Well, I'm one bizarrely, you may see here, I'm taking on an excursion to China, um, which you may think is untoward. We'll be back to India in a trice because it's in this context that Salim Arif's Books Without Boundaries were shown to a very different international public in December 2015. Uh, right. Uh, here's some confetti for the opening, and you can and you can see the um, you know the fake landscapes that were part of the grandeur environment artworks. This is about paddy fields. I'm not going to go into artist details and the echo of the huge construction that's happening in China. But what's very interesting is that the theme of the exhibition, as you can see here, from one of the press conferences, unfortunately one I wasn't able to sneak away from the portal to, was initially Search Asia. It's like, what is this thing called Asia? Which I'm sure is a subject that the distinguished academics here have discussed um, in many, many, many ways. Director, Chairman uh, Ping Liu, uh, and two of the other curators around him. And it was the switch, it was Zhang Qing, the kind of great Chinese intellectual director of research at the Beijing Museum, who suddenly decided, having read works by Linda Struve, to change the theme from Search Asia, what is this thing called Asia, to Asia Time, which is a very interesting idea. And I was very happy to present Salim's works, but also make him the focus of my um, essay in the catalogue, which cunningly um, prefaced um, um, uh, what was it called? Inferno and Paradise in East and West, uh, Salim Arif Quadri, with the idea of times of transmission. So having talked a lot about violence, we're going back into a much, uh, a kind of long durée, that idea of looking down the wrong end of a telescope here, which I think uh, is, a, is a way of um, ironing out um, the questions of, of micro-histories and 
a sporadic violences which have been so anguishing and so beautifully responded to by artists here in our previous talks. So we don't want him. So I just to show, just to show that of course all countries make their own countries the centre of their own mappings. This is a very ancient map of China with India here as a rather small protuberance. But more to the point, the thrust of that Biennale was to promote the idea, which will obviously involve both India and China, of the electronic Silk Road. And this was a map of the old Silk Roads, which, as you can see, there's not just one Silk Road, but many Silk Roads, including the Sea Silk Road. You can see here where Guangzhou is. It was such a cosmopolitan port. It already had um, you know, uh, Jewish synagogues and Islamic temples in it very many centuries ago. And you can see how it passes around India. So, but surprisingly, Salih Marith Quadri was the only Indian artist in the exhibition, which turned out to be, um, well, sort of slightly bizarre and unequal in many ways, with, to my surprise, absolutely no representation from the former USSR, for example. Um, so Salim here stars in the catalogue, and I want to get round immediately, because we're rushed for time, to this issue of his showing of books without boundaries, the concept of a book without boundaries. In fact, our talk links up very beautifully to Shazia's previous talk, the idea of a scroll collapsing back into a book, and show you some of them here, which you can see um, some selected pages of downstairs. This one, I had to name some of them for identification purposes. The one at the top, I rather crudely called lozenges with holes. You can see the kind of very interesting way that these are abstract, modernist. You can see a bit of Frank Stella in that, if you like. But the, they actually, when you turn the pages, they're big holes you can peep through to the next page. And you can see how they involve calligraphy uh, on this page underneath Salim Arif Quadri, Books Without Boundaries. But if we go on to the great center spreads, you see the variety not only of the uh, different forms involving calligraphy, involving collapsed shapes, involving wonderful splashes and a great sense of color. One could say, if you wish to say, a collision of east and west color. Um, but um, also, of course, they, each book has a very, very beautiful title. Um, I have two surprises in my talk, which I was not, of course, able to involve in either my essay or in the presentation. But these works were really kick-started between the years 2002 to 7, when the three great series called um, Invocation, and then in brackets, Contemplation, Caressing with the Constellations, Sensuality, and Geometry without Gravity, Intellect, was started. You can see also the different types of framings of these books without boundaries. And here, just to show you that this goes on, I'm going to come back to this book without a boundary on the top left, which is actually a very, very huge dimension later. This is a work that is still in progress. And the one at the bottom um, was actually begun in, um, it says, 2010 to 15. So these are ongoing projects. But we go from the beginning of the origin of the work with books right up to the present. <clears throat> but, of course, the interesting thing for me was meeting uh, Salim just after I'd finished a big book about Matisse in which I took the study of his Islamic influences. That wasn't the main theme of the book, but right up to the crescent moons, for example, on top of the vast chapel. 
And it was Salim's joy at finding he could combine the traditions of East and West as a citizen of both the East and the West that made um, the, our, our encounter and my later discovery of the books without boundaries particularly relevant. And here, of course, if you see the figure very obviously on the right, you see how this links up immediately with Matisse. And Matisse's greatest work, uh, when he was um, bedridden and uh, drawing with a stick and cutting out with um, you know, what he called drawing with scissors, making sculpture, as he called it, with scissors, um, at the time as well of the vast chapel. This is a nude where, of course, the positive shape uh, acts as much as the negative shape. This is a, uh, just showing that positive negative. This is from Jazz, just to show you the relationship in a 20th century book between calligraphy and these wonderful, dense, rich, rich colours. In my opinion, and I've given a lecture on this before, inspired by the uh, Saint Sever apocalypse and the Mozarabic influence, again coming up from Spain and another tradition. But if I put these two together, these are, this is one of the famous blue nudes at the end of his career, circa 1952. You can see how this picks up again with works by Salim. And for Salim, um, Islamic sources such as the Conference of the Birds are also very important. You can see that here. So uh, this is just to show you, of course, that his work is not only paper-based and book-based, but very, very large monumental paintings, which again take up this idea of irregular edges, the silhouette, the positive, the negative. And, I, and these are large-scale works done with, um, with his fingers. So they're very, very sensual in their creation, with the paint smoothed into the shapes on um, hardened muslin. The paint is actually hardened with sand. And many commissions like this grace um, um, libraries in the north of England, I believe. I can't remember which one. But um, Salim has had many government commissions for work of this kind. So back to the books without boundaries. And you can see here how Islamic calligraphy can also become supremely sensual. Um, but this is my surprise number one. This is one of Salim's own photographs on the right, on the left, sorry, your left. And you can see that uh, how it relates very distinctly, including the little kind of flamey bits at the bottom of this holy monkey, which I'm afraid I can't identify, with this figure who is actually the old man of Crete from one of Dante's inferno um, moments, the moments of Dante's um, Inferno. So what I want to explain to you, which I was not ex really ex able to explain in the catalogue, is how Salim's work, which goes back to the very origins of the Dante myth, explodes what Deborah Swallow was talking about this morning when she talked about the, um, um, the narrow remit of the Western art tradition. Because in fact, if you think of Botticelli, Rodin, Rauschenberg's Dante drawings, Salim discovered, and every discovery is of course a rediscovery, that the origin of this myth is in fact Islamic and not Western. One of the pillars of Western, you know, one of the great, great founding um, uh, authors of Renaissance Italy is actually using um, uh, an Islamic inspiration. So if you will allow me to be learned just for a second, although I'm trying to be as quick as possible, I just want to read through my text this tiny little learning bit to complement all the great speeches that I'm afraid I was unable to hear yesterday. Um, 
Okay. Two seconds before I stop. Just to tell you, well, I do think this is important to give credit where credit's due, um, um, Debbie, that in 1919, at the University of Madrid, Miguel Asini Palacios created a furore, a furore with his publication, the, the, um, the Muslim Eschatology of the Divine Comedy. That's 1919. I can give you more chapter and verse and how the genealogy of this, going back to Dante's own tutor, Brunetto Latini, provided the link. And it is that idea of a Muslim source for the Divine Comedy which inspired his later series. This is a whole series in the government collection. I wanted to leave us when I talked about the uh, origins at greater length with this image from the Hell series. Importantly, all the edges here, the irregular edges that are to do with the paper being, as it were, burned by the flames of Hell. And this is the image that I was unable to publish in the uh, Asia Time catalogue. This is one, again, a photograph by Salim, uh, one of the 15 volumes of divine manuscripts that people actually, of the Quran, of course, that street reciters recite um, uh, in certain parts of India, which he can be more precise about. Uh, it is this big book which inspired the giant, what I used to call the giant book, I label the giant book. And this is the giant book displayed with that with screens flicking over the pages, as well as the array of books without boundaries in Guangzhou. So under this image, where now you understand this incredible source I've had to skip over, meeting between East and West, and the scale of the giant book relating to those manuscripts, we'll begin our conversation. Sorry. And this book actually is still a work in progress. And uh, what I would love to do is just to read. I've written something called Geometry Without Gravity, which relates to the three initial books Invocation, Caressing with the Sensuality, and Geometry Without Gravity. And this is what I've written. We can only perceive space when we break free from the earth. That's Kashmir and Malevich. Each of my work contains its own unique format, enhancing the floating composition parallel to the wall surface. The interaction of color, texture, format, and the cut-out pregnant space within the whole composition are primary elements in my visual vocabulary. Through our gaze in time, each work becomes interactive participant in the revelation of fresh visual fields. As the painting unfolds, it's revealing new parameters uh, and creating multiple readings. In my recent individual works and the manuscript book, Geometry Without Gravity, variable visual rhythms are created at each scanning gaze. These invisible threading of structures in celestial space and the mysterious magnificent mathematics of our firmament are themes in my concept of geometry without gravity. That's and lovely, Salim. So could you tell us how you actually make the books? I know you wanted to show the, the handling the books without, of you, the... You might think, what's the difference between this book and any other book? <laughs> Except this is slightly irregular. But the difference between this book and any other book is when I show you the cover, it says books without boundaries. Basically, 
is the same books without boundaries and circle, whether I turn this way, that way, or this way, it's still the same. So you can look at it from outside. So when you look at the inside, you can again turn it around and it reads any side. So if I put this on a table, there are six people standing. Whoever opens it is the right way up. And this is the uniqueness of this book, so much so that the intellectual property office have registered it as, a, as an original design. That's great, Salim. And so um, could you please explain to everyone, because I didn't give you very much biography about Salim. He, came, he was born in 1949 in Hyderabad, and he trained in Birmingham before he came down to the Royal College of Art. Could you explain how, in your own words, how your, what you call your visual journey brought you to the book, and also its scholarly and sacred traditions and what that means for you? You know, being, being born in an Islamic religion, you are, you are a Muslim by birth, and you are brought up in a, tradi in a tradition where Quran becomes part and parcel of your world. And, and what it means is that we, I'm looking at a lot of manuscript books, in the, either in museums or in private collections. And these, obviously, without me realizing at that time, subconsciously, subconsciously filter into your mind and your visuals. And that's really where the books without boundaries, before the books without boundaries, invocation, which is contemplation, caressing with the constellation uh, is the sensuality and geometry without gravity. These three books led me into books without boundaries. After doing those three books, I realized surely there must be something more in book form that one can do. But hey, Pristo, somehow instinctively, somehow we visual artists come up with an idea and Books Without Boundaries, I realized, was, <coughs> was the essence of it. And I'm very excited by it because I'm still working on them from a book five feet by four feet to this size and there are four feet by four feet books and I've just ordered some two by two books, two feet by two feet books. So there are, there's plenty of work for me to get on with, as they say. And that's really what Books Without Boundaries is. Yeah, and I, my desire is, and especially speaking to all of you, is that there should be um, uh, an exhibition curated where the whole of the Dante's Inferno series, which is what I fantasized, of course, for China, should be on the wall around a very big display of this so that the whole context and the way that one can move around these manuscripts, you see that that was very, you can see here, there was a, in fact, it was the top of the stairs. It was a very good position, but it was actually flat on. You couldn't really go around. You couldn't really understand the connection. You certainly couldn't understand the long history uh, of the epic encounter that I've been able to describe to you. But finally, Salim, we um, discussed this together very, very briefly. You are here being London, essentially London-based, as well as all your travels and your, your photographic journeys. You're a citizen of East and West. So how do you yourself conceive of the link between citizenship and contemporary art? Actually, being a citizen, uh, I'm now a British national, by the way, so I have an Indian nationality, because that's where I was born, 
and then once I settled here, I became a British national, and I'm now contemplating and in the process of getting a dual kind of uh, citizenship in the sense that so I can go back to India and stay there if I want, or travel as much as I want for how many number of months or years I want. So it's being, being a, living in England, you become a universal artist really, because what one, what one does is to just appreciate one's fortunate situation, that one is living in a country which is not just prosperous, but it has, a, uh, it has created a condition for artists like me who can work. I now don't even have to work. I can just work on my work and through the proceeds of the, from, from that book, I can survive or live. Uh, so I'm very fortunate. But for me, Sarah has been important because she has written quite a few things on my work and I've known her over many years. <clears throat> and since we've known each other, we've collaborated and we ho I hope that we collaborate in something where she will create, curate an exhibition on books without boundaries, on its soul as a theme. Well, a little bit better. And your name means peace, doesn't it? Salim, Salim. I believe, means peace. And because I'm Sayyid, it comes from uh, descendants from the Prophet Muhammad. Uh, but that is, whether I'm worthy of it or not, I don't know, but there you I are. I think your work is like a very beautiful prayer. Yeah. Uh, so thank you very much, Salim Arif. And, and my we... work is really like a prayer, to be yes. honest. Yes. Thank you very much, everybody.